Our gospel lesson this morning will be coming from the Gospel of Luke, the second chapter, starting with verse 41. I invite all of you to stand as you are able in body and spirit for the reading of the gospel message this morning. Now every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. And when the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among the relatives and friends. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. And he said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Now, this story coming from the Gospel of Luke may seem a little bit out of order for those of you who like to follow things in chronological order of Jesus' birth to his death. I mean, we just had last week the birth of the Christ child, and the wise men aren't here yet. But yet we're jumping ahead about 12 years to this scene here, about the only scene in the Bible we have between the wise men's story and Jesus' baptism with John the Baptist, about the only scene we have of his childhood. And Luke tells us about it. Well, Jesus, to know a little bit more about this situation, this scene, and this passage, we do have some information about how he grew up in Nazareth. We knew that this was a yearly tradition for his family. It said that they go every year to Jerusalem for the Passover So that right there tells us that Jesus walked the path of Nazareth to Jerusalem many times over. His entire life, from the beginning of a child all the way up to the end of his ministry. And knowing this path, we could assume to be very important for his ministry here on earth. uh, Passover pilgrimage, if you want to kind of put yourself in that situation and kind of relate it to something that many of us do... It's kind of like going to an annual camp meeting in the summertime at your favorite camp place. Or like going to the retreat you go on every year. And one important thing for us to note in this situation, just like when you go to camp meeting or retreats, is that you are not alone when you're there. And Jesus and his family did not travel alone to Jerusalem on this pilgrimage. And in this moment right here, we can relate and understand that faith is not meant to be lived out alone, but to be journeyed together as a community. And like the group traveling to Jerusalem each year, we at St. Matthew's are to be a community of seekers on a journey, seeking out God, growing closer to Him each and every day. 
And that is why your pastors here at the church really do care if you're here at St. Matthew's or if you're in a church community because your presence in worship, Bible study, mission work, evangelism, weekly fellowship is crucial for your faith life. You can't do it alone. Just as Mary and Joseph and Jesus couldn't travel alone on this pilgrimage to Jerusalem. That is why here we're very proud that we have a strong congregational care ministry that if you're not able to be here present, we go out and visit you. We go out and do communion once a month. We bring you meals during the holiday season because we believe that even though you're homebound, whether it's long-term or temporary, that you still need to be connected to your community of faith here at the church. And this is why you might get a phone call or a text message from someone in, in this church if you haven't been here in a couple weeks. Because presence matters. Seeking together matters. And I know today I'm kind of preaching to the choir, okay, literally and figuratively, because most churches, their lowest attendance Sunday is the Sunday after Christmas. So you being present here today lets you know that being in church is important for you. Being in this community is important. And so with that in mind, I want you to think about this, though, each and every week when you come to church on Sunday, come to church on Wednesdays, or go serve communion on Thursdays, or whatever it is, ask yourself, not that do I need to go and be a part of this community, but also think about who needs me to be here in this community, seeking with them. Because being part of this community of seekers is very important for you, but also for those who attend here. Your presence is very important to some folks, whether you know it or not. If you're an adult or an older, older youth, then you have younger eyes watching you all the time, whether you know it or not. And I would always, when I taught high school and when I coached and when I did youth group, I always told the older youth and the older athletes and the older students that I said, wherever you are, don't forget that you've got people in middle school and elementary school that look up to you. Just like when you were younger and you looked up to the star quarterback or the leader of the youth group, or that star student, that you have people looking up to you. And as adults, we have people here looking up to us. So our presence is very important in this community. It's very important that this next generation of Christians, the ones that will carry our faith after us, see us living out the daily discipleship practices of being present, of coming to church, being part of community, it is something very, very important. As we can see, it was important 2,000 years ago as Jesus' family and friends and relatives were traveling together to Jerusalem on this pilgrimage. Now, there's a lot we can gain from this story, even in this first Sunday of Christmas time. And let's focus on Mary and Joseph. We know Mary and Joseph were picked by God to be the earthly parents of Jesus Christ. Okay, that's a pretty big job. Being a parent is a big job within itself, but then to be the earthly parents of the Messiah of the entire human race is a really big job, okay? And God handpicked this couple to raise him. And we see that they probably felt like, as many of us would have, and if we were, we were in their shoes, that we probably got to up our religious game a little bit. We got to make sure we do our worship. We got to make sure we do the required laws and practices, and we raise this child in a good, faithful home. 
And we know they did that because this pilgrimage to Jerusalem was no small feat. But yet they decided to do it yearly as a tradition, as the Old Testament law says that you must. And they were just trying to be good parents. Just like many of us here who are parents, we bring our kids to church on Sunday mornings. We bring them to Sunday school. We sign them up for vacation Bible school and bring the neighborhood friends with us. We bring them to fellowship and children's choir and send them off to youth group. And we all do this so they can be launched from our nest with a strong foundation in our Christian faith. So that way when they go to college or enter the workforce, they too can find a good group of friends and join a nice Christian community with them. And Mary and Joseph and parents today all have this same wish for their children in common. And so we have something that we can relate to with Mary and Joseph. And so here we are with them at the temple. They celebrate Passover in this passage here. And then with their caravan of people, they go back home, back to their normal lives. Now, we don't know the details on how Jesus got left behind here in Jerusalem. All we knew is that it took about a day's journey, which is roughly 20 miles. And more than likely, it was nighttime as the travelers were organizing into their family units to go to sleep. And I'm sure Jesus or Mary and Joseph noticed at that time that Jesus wasn't there. And I would imagine the scene at that time was pretty chaotic. I'm sure they probably asked, I thought he was with you. No, he was with you. No, he was with the other family in the back. We've all probably had conversation as parents about our own children like that. But here the anxiety was probably really high because as I said earlier, they were chosen as the earthly parents to raise the Messiah, the Savior for all of humanity, and they lost them. Okay? If God had any hope in the human race, he just lost it right there. Okay? And so you can imagine they were pretty panicked as anybody in the sanctuary would have been panicked. And this can even happen in today's time. We've all seen movies, most recently with the holiday season. I always think of when I read this, I always think of Home Alone, of that family. As, as they get ready and all the chaos with all the extended family loading up one morning to go on that trip to Paris. And then it's on the plane when they're realizing on their journey that, hey, something doesn't feel right. And it was the mom who was asking the dad, did you, did you feel like we left something behind? And he's like, well, as they're flying, maybe. No, I turned the coffee pot off. Oh, it's the garage door. I didn't put the garage door down. And the mom's like, no, that's not right. And then she realizes it was Kevin who was left home alone and they were on a plane to Paris. And that's modern times and we can relate to that. I remember as a kid, my mom would me, take me to the department stores, which I hated. And so to make that time more enjoyable for me at the department stores, I would go to McRae's in the women's department where they have those circle clothes racks with the dresses that hang really long and it makes the perfect hideaway for a little child. And I would do that when my mom was shopping for that dress for whatever she's looking for and I'd go hide in the rack of clothes. And I thought it was the coolest thing to have your own little fort right there in the women's department of McRae's. And she'd get furious with me when she found me. So eventually she bought, I remember what it looked like. It was a little rainbow uh, Velcro wristband that was red and had a little, looked like a phone cord to it attached to her wrist. And that's how I traveled Metro Mall and North Park Mall growing up. Okay? I was always attached to her. So I remember that. 
And then I had my own experience with my own child one time when Laura Beth and I were at my in-laws, at my in-laws' house. We just go over there a lot. They're real close. And this is when we lived just a couple neighborhoods over, though. It wasn't very far. And we were leaving. And as, as tradition, we get our two younger ones in the van, and we got to make sure they're all buckled up. And in the house, we hollered, hey, Carter, hop in the car. And we thought he hopped in the car. Got on in, drove home, and we got in the garage. And our normal routine is, hey, Carter, hop out. Crickets in the third row seat of the Honda Odyssey. Crickets. We look back. There's no Carter in the back seat. And so just for a split second, my heart went to my stomach. Then I realized, oh, he's, he's just a couple miles down the road. So we drove back to my in-law's house. Didn't take the younger kids out. We went inside and we found Carter upstairs in the game room playing video games. Never knew we left. We didn't tell him for a little while that we actually left him there. We said, oh, come on, it's time to go. Cop on in. And so we've heard, we hear stories of parents leaving their kids, parents leaving their kids at Walmart. I even heard one parent tell me one time they left a kid at Disney World, all right? So it all happens to the best of us. It happens to Mary and Joseph. It's a little side note for parents and grandparents and caregivers out there. If Mary and Joseph lost a kid, it's okay if you do too, all right? Sometimes you don't have to be the perfect parent. Just being good enough gets the job done, all right? So... Now, we can imagine that three-day search for Jesus, though, was a little intense for Mary and Joseph. As they were searching for him, you know, it took another day to get back, and then it took another day to search the entire town. It's not like they knew, oh, he's going to be at the temple. Let's go straight there. It seems like they searched all day in Jerusalem. The temple's a pretty big structure. It's about 18 stories tall. It's about as tall as the region's building downtown. They could have seen the thing and been like, let's go straight there. He's probably there. No, he wasn't. They didn't know to look there first. Eventually, they did go there. And eventually, they did see Jesus sitting there, Scripture tells us, asking questions and learning at the same time. One little key thing to to pick out of that, as a 12-year-old boy, he was sitting down asking questions as well as learning. To sit and ask questions is what teachers in that day did. Okay, Teachers asked questions more than gave answers. So he was already fulfilling his call in life to be a teacher, preacher, and our Savior at age 12. And that is something to note there, that from early on, Jesus knew that he had this divine connection to God and that he had a special special mission for the human race. And so Mary and Joseph went seeking together for Jesus, and they found him somewhere where they did not expect that. And this happens another time in the gospel message where a group of people went seeking for Jesus after three days and found him somewhere where they did not expect. And so in our lives, I would not get too discouraged that when you're starting to seek God in your life, whether you're just now starting on that journey or you've been on that journey and you've got sidetracked and you're getting back on it and you're looking for God and he doesn't show up in the places you expect, don't get discouraged. As we see here in the gospel message, Jesus and God, they show up sometimes when you least expect it in the unexpected places. Now, so what about Jesus in this story? What can we learn from Jesus here? Because we know that Mary and Joseph were a little upset with him once they found him. And I don't blame them. I wouldn't let Jesus off the hook either. I mean, he scared them half to death in those three days. I don't know about you, but if you've ever been on a trip a school trip or a retreat with a bunch of 6th and 7th graders before. It's a little chaotic, but yet they know better. They know better if you tell them, hey, meet me here at this said time. we got to load the bus. They'll meet you there. They know better. 
So I wouldn't let Jesus off the hook. He could have said, hey, mom and dad, let's hang out here. I want to talk to the rabbis for a few extra days. But he didn't. They didn't know he wasn't with them. And so sometimes you tend to think, what was Jesus doing in Jerusalem while the parents weren't there? Was he like Ferris Bueller singing Twist and Shout in the big town of Jerusalem? Or was he just there with the teachers? Was he scared? We don't know. But based off of his response to his mom's questioning, he understood that he was in his father's house doing his father's business. And I'm sure it was part of the family discussion at this point in the household of Jesus that he had a divine connection to God, that he had a special mission. But we also know as Christians, and we wrestle with the theological concept, that Jesus was fully divine and also fully human. And Jesus as a human child with divine qualities is a hard theological concept for us to grasp. But as a human, Jesus still had to grow and mature in wisdom and in strength also. He, too, had to be a seeker in the faith in order to be the great teacher, preacher, and Savior that he is. And so as much as we celebrate the divinity of Christ and acknowledge that in him God has become flesh, we also focus how the humanity of Jesus enabled him to understand and experience life as we do and made it possible for him to be an example for us to follow. This means that we can't use the divinity of Jesus as an example or as an excuse to accept lower standards for our lives. He calls for us to follow him, and his call is based in the truth that his life was completely human and therefore completely accessible for us. It also means that as we follow Jesus, we do so with the same need to grow, learn, change, and fail and develop as humans do. I like it in what it says in the epistle to the Hebrews in the fifth chapter, looking at verses 7 through 9. It affirms Jesus' experience as common to all human beings. It says, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And having made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Thus, like any other human being, Jesus learned to obey his heavenly Father. And we find him learning the ropes of his faith and perhaps deepening his understanding of who he is and what he is called to do as the Messiah here in this passage. If Jesus can grow, then shouldn't we? And how do we grow, though? Well, some practical things we can do. As we begin a new calendar year this week, join a Bible study. Join us on Wednesday nights in a Bible study. Join a Sunday school class. Enroll in the Rooted in Christ Bible study for 2019. Or learn in a community. Come to worship. Come to fellowship on Wednesday nights. Eat a meal with us. Because being part of the community nurtured Christ and his family as it can nurture all of us. And yes, he had a special relationship with God even from the start. But that relationship took time to grow. And so shouldn't our real relationship with God next year parallel that of Jesus and grow and develop? And so what you need to keep in mind as we continue to make this choice to follow God this year and to continue to seek him as a community of believers. First, you're never too young or too old to start. 
no matter what age you are, whether you're just beginning to walk and talk, or if you're a seasoned saint, is never too young or too old to start or continue to grow in Christ, to continue seeking Him out in the areas that are familiar and also in the areas that are unfamiliar. It takes a daily commitment for a second. It takes waking up every day, putting your feet on the floor and standing up and said, Today, I'm going to seek out God. Every day. It takes a daily commitment. Just like brushing your teeth and putting on your clothes and getting out the door, fixing yourself your meals for the day. It's a daily commitment to wake up, put your feet on the floor and stand up every morning and take a breath and say, I am going to seek God today. And the things that hold you back, this is also another good time of the year to look at whatever may be holding you back from doing that. Our community here is real good at being busy. I think that's many of our flaws is that we're too busy. And yes, there are things that are essential that we have to do. I mean, you have to go to work if you're working. If you're a student, you have to go to school, okay? I mean, there are things you just have to do. You still have to take the trash cans to the road or worse, pull them back up to the house when they're done, okay? And so that is still a part of life. You still have things to do, so you can't cop out of the daily routines. But are there extras that you've thrown in there that aren't necessarily life-giving, that are getting in the way of seeking God One of my favorite Old Testament stories is the one of Moses and the burning bush. Because at that time in Moses' life, where he was in that geography of the world, it was very common to see a burning bush. But for him, he was still enough to notice that this particular bush that he was watching was not being consumed and burning up. And the only way he would have noticed that is if he was just still enough to notice it. And so, with God that we know always being present in our lives, whether we sometimes feel it or not, how are we missing Him? Are we truly making that commitment to seek Him out daily? The third thing that we can do practically is don't do it alone. Don't go it alone, okay? Don't be that rogue bounty hunter and go on your own, all right? Be part of a community of faith as you're doing right now. Encourage others to do the same. We have a lot of people here at St. Matthew's that are members of the church. And yes, we do have a large church staff. But it still is almost impossible for us to reach out to every individual that misses a Sunday or a Sunday school or whatever it is. Because A, we may not know. Or B, there's a lot going on. So that relies upon y'all. If you notice somebody that normally sits on your pew that's not there for a week or two, reach out to them. Just to check on them. Now, don't bug them. Don't call them 50,000 times. Just just leave them a message, all right? Check on them. If you're part of a Sunday school class or a Wednesday night class or if you're part of another ministry of the church that gets together on a regular basis and you notice someone's not there for a little while, check on them. Just say, hey, how's it going? And that way it reminds them that they're part of a community and that their presence matters. And you may find out every now and then that there might be a serious reason why they're not coming and they needed you at that moment. And there may be times where they just got busy. So Jesus, the one thing we need to think about 
in this situation, even though that he was 12 years old. And this story, the reason why this story probably ended up in the Gospel of Luke is that when you read in it, you see that Mary treasured these things. You see that verse there towards the end that lets you know that probably Mary was the one telling this story to Luke. And it's the only childhood account that we have in the Gospels. And so this was an important story, more than likely to Mary or somebody really close to Jesus that would know this. And it's important for us to know because that this scene here shows a more human side of Jesus, but also gives us the good, many qualities that we need to obtain to be a community of faith. A community that seeks out Scripture, prayer, worship, that seeks out time for us to be still. These spiritual disciplines, that tools that help us in our search. So, moving forward, I just invite everyone in your own context and where you are today to pray about how you can be a seeker of the faith, where you can seek out God and see God in your everyday, how you can learn from Jesus and learn from this passage, and how we can grow closer together as a community and grow closer to God. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity for us to gather here and worship this morning for this time for us to be together and seek you, Lord, to listen to your word, to meditate on your word, and learn from Jesus' example. So, Father, thank you for this opportunity you've given us. We just ask that your Holy Spirit be upon us as we enter into the week, Lord, as we begin a new calendar year. Allow us to consider things that we need to, to break away from, Lord, things that we need to give up that can help us to be a stronger community seeking you. So, Lord, we ask all this in the name of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.